Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? Can I say fantasy freaks and geeks? I feel like that's stealing James Coe's thunder. As you figured out, I am not James Coe. I am Marcus Grant. It is the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. How you doing, everybody? Um, Hopefully, everything's okay with James Coe. I will say this, that uh, we got a semi-cryptic text message from him. It just said the words, car accident. Hopefully, that means he is stuck behind one on the 405 and that he is not in one. So uh, hopefully he will be here at some point before we are done. But uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Let's go around the horn. Behind the glass, the whiz kid from Wisconsin is out. He is, uh, I don't know, he's somewhere, you know, kayaking the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon, I believe. Either that or he's face down in a gutter on uh, Las Vegas Boulevard. By the way, he's on vacation with the family. So stepping in in his place, it is the franchise behind the glass on this beautiful Tide Tuesday, which we're all wearing ties today, by the way. Yep. So uh, franchise, well, you are, you are – Guiding this ship today, how do you feel? I'm making my product productive debut, production debut, I guess they call it. Right. So if I hit the wrong button and this all gets erased, don't uh don't get <laughs> don't get mad at me. Well, if anyone's listening to it, that means like if, if you are hearing so, uh, if you are hearing this, franchise did his job today. Of course, you hear the right. voice there of. Uh, can I call you West Virginia Zone? No. I feel like, again, that's a, that's a James Coe thing. Stop stealing all James jokes. I know, I can't. I, I have to uh, leave something for him. But uh, Matt Harmon, who, uh, speaking of Las Vegas Boulevard, you survived a trip to Sin City over the weekend. I did. Uh, great time with uh, the other website that I write for, uh, Football Guys. We had, a, we had a good little weekend there. I feel recharged. I feel like I don't really know what happened this weekend, but I feel like I also know everything that happened this week. So, uh, yeah, good time. Happy to be back, though, in, in beautiful Los Angeles and reunited with my dog, who I spent over 72 hours apart from, and that was tough. Were you were you sad? Was it, was it Dude, I was yesterday I was waiting for the dog sitter to get back from work so I could go pick him up, and I was like, all right, come on. <laughs> and we are joined by a special guest today, NFL Fantasy Live senior producer. You got it. Senior producer, Dylan Milner. Welcome to uh, welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? Happy to be here. It's uh, it's good to see you. So it's a little bit of a different crew, but uh, we got plenty to talk about, as always. Um, we will look back at Wild Card Weekend. It was kind of a, yeah, you know, some, some interesting finishes 
some not-so-exciting games and uh, a whole lot of fantasy madness. We'll also look at the upcoming games for this weekend with a lot of really intriguing matchups and hopefully some fantasy goodness. Of course, we'll have headlines. Uh, We'll look maybe a little bit at some of the senior prospects. Of course, uh, a lot of guys declaring for the draft. That will close on Monday. But we'll talk about some of the seniors uh, who are already going to be in the draft that we know about for sure. And, of course, we'll finish it up with Daily Daps, and we will peace out. So, um, first off, let's uh, get some top headlines, huh? Let's do it. The camera highlights in the world of sports. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Whistles go. Woo! I like turtles. We continue to follow breaking news. Watch the news. Well, the big headline of the week, the Miami Dolphins have a brand new head coach. It is Adam Gase. He was hired away by the Miami Dolphins. So he uh, leaves an interesting situation in Chicago where he had uh, done some pretty good things with Jay Cutler this past season, at least for about half a season or so. And now he goes to Miami. So, um... What does this mean? I mean, Matt Harmon, now that he's in Miami, is this good news for Ryan Tannehill? Does, is this the Ryan Tannehill that we thought we were going to see this year? Do we finally get that next year? It's always tough when you try to project, like, offensive coordinators to head coaches because we need to first see who – like, do we know is he going to be the play caller too as well? Has that been – I don't know mentioned? if that's been uh, determined yet. Yeah, so it's always tough anyways to project, like, system to system because sometimes you have to wonder, like, was it the personnel that made – this guy such a productive coordinator or was it the way he likes to funnel the offense like because you look at Demarius Thomas Emmanuel Sanders Alshon Jeffrey have all been really productive under this guy does that mean that Devontae Parker and uh, Jarvis Landry are going to get a boost or was that they were just really productive because they were really good you know so it's always tough to project there but he did also say about the backfield committee that he likes both Ajayi and Miller going forward and he wants Miller to come back so I think that's probably the most interesting situation to watch with Gase yeah I think uh, I've never been a Tannehill fan no I've never been a Tannehill fan and just because they've got Adam Gase there this new up-and-coming young whiz kid it's Ryan Tannehill like I just don't feel that Ryan Tannehill has the high ceiling you need to be competitive with all these other elite quarterbacks when you're playing fantasy you know you want your quarterback to be able to have you a 303 game to win uh and Tannehill's ceiling just isn't there. He's He's got uh, – I had some stats for you. Uh, in his career, those 303 games, those those big games that are going to get you that win, uh, he's had 14 of those games, 22% uh, of his career he's had those. Uh, comparison – sorry, he's thrown 14 300-yard games. Only three of those has he thrown 303. In comparison, a guy like Matt Ryan, who we've all kind of like we're done with, yeah. we're just kind of like putting him to bed like, yeah, he's just a guy – Matt Ryan has thrown uh, 36 300-yard games, seven of which he's thrown thir- uh, 303, 27% 300-yard games. So Matt Ryan, the guy we're just kind of uh, over, has a higher ceiling of more of these 303 games than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. So if we're still hoping Ryan Tannehill works out, look at a guy like Matt Ryan who we're all done with. Why are we done with one and not the other? I've never been a fan of Tannehill, and I don't think Adam Gase is going to turn him into somebody we I don't think he see, is. See, now, I, I, was, I was on the Tannehill bandwagon at the start of the season, and I, I really just kept holding on to that dream for about half the season before I finally had to give up the ghost. Um. I don't know. Maybe call me foolish. Call me, you know, banging foolish. my head against the wall. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I, I think 
I don't know. I guess I have to see who's who's doing the play calling, who's running the offense there. But I'm just hoping that, that there's something there for Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I think he's still younger in his career than Matt Ryan is. So Are you going to be happy waiting goal. in the draft and drafting Ryan Tannehill late as your starting quarterback? Not as my Coming starter. Coming out of a draft like, yeah! I'll never start. I, I, I'm not going to draft him as my starter anymore. I'm done with that. But if I have him as my number two, I think I could be okay with that, right? Yeah, I like him as a number two. I like Devontae Parker – I like him to develop next year under uh, Adam Gase, and him and Jarvis Landry could be a nice duo too. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if, if Landry can consider him a wide receiver one in fantasy, but with the balance between him and Parker, and if Tannehill can get some chemistry with both of them, like we saw at the end of the season, I think he can get some of those three hundred three games like that you're talking about, Dylan. He's Matt Ryan that can run. Well, Tannehill, Matt, I mean, Matt Ryan also has Julio Jones, like. Tannehill's never had a guy like Tannehill's that. Tannehill's got Jarvis Landry at 100. He's not. You can't compare him to a thousand catches last year. Tannehill is dangerously close to that common denominator territory where it was like in, in his first few years, it's like, oh, it's so great that he's with Mike Sherman. He was his head coach in college. <laughs> and then it's like Tannehill really just needs to get away from Mike Sherman. He's holding him back. And then Bill Lazor comes in. It's like, this is going to be great for Tannehill. Yeah. Tannehill just needs to get away from Bill Lazor. He's holding <laughs> right. him back. So it's kind of like, all right. Are we getting to the point where the quarterback is the common denominator? And it even came out this weekend that uh, Joe Philbin wanted to bounce Ryan Tannehill and take Derek Derek Carr the first round. Yes. So, and he also almost benched the guy too. So I think Tannehill is. I'm kind of more with Dylan here that I think he's just in that is what he is territory. Like maybe he can be streamable next year, but I wouldn't. He's not a top ten guy. Maybe streamable in like a twelve team league. Now you want a pro tip for Devontae Parker? Draft him. Pull, pull, pull over. If you're listening in the car, pull over. Get down a pen, write that That means down. you, James Coe. Well, <laughs> he's got other things to write down, like insurance and license plates. <laughs> so, Devontae Parker, I think we all like. I think he's going to be great. However, he's the guy who you always draft early thinking you're going to outsmart everybody, and yeah. he's still young. Uh, he, he came off an injury this year as a rookie. He's still got some growth to do. You're going to think you're outsmarting everybody by drafting him late, like in the 12th, 14th round, something like that. Don't draft him. Because what's going to happen is somebody's going to draft him thinking they're smart. In the first two or three weeks of the season, he's not going to be great, and they're going to drop him. That's when you pick him up. And then in week six, when he starts to pick really getting chemistry with Ryan Tannehill or whatever quarterback they end up putting in there, that's when you can ride that train all the way to – all the way to what touchdown land? I don't know. He's definitely <laughs> someone I'm looking forward to studying this off season to see what we can expect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I so, but the other question is, and, and you touched on it a little bit, Harmon, what to make of the backfield now? Yeah. Because obviously, by the Ew. end of the season, Dan Campbell's staff and whoever was there in Miami, they they obviously seemed to be done with Lamar Miller. I mean, he wasn't getting the ball. He didn't get the ball much all year. Was getting it even less at the end of the season. We saw more Jay Ajayi. Now Adam Gaze is coming in saying that he likes both of these guys. He wants Lamar Miller back. I mean, does this just mean that Lamar Miller is never going to be a workhorse back? Does he just not have that in him? He's definitely also in that common denominator territory where, like, a lot of coaching staffs have decided that he shouldn't be a workhorse running back. I think he ends up going elsewhere personally. He probably chases the money in Dallas or maybe New York, uh, Giants that is. Or, you know, a lot of teams could use him. It just depends on what it's going to cost to sign him. But if Jay Ajayi ends up being the feature back there, I really, really like him as a late-round guy. He was I was a big fan of his at Boise State. He touched the ball over 
four or just about 400 times in his last season in college. He had 50 receptions, 347 rushes, and the season before that he had 249 rushes and 22 catches. This is a guy that can definitely, definitely carry a big workload. Like he could be a surprising late round pick. It the only the only reason he fell in the draft was because of his knee concerns, knee. which is yeah. a long term thing, not a short term thing. Well, we heard the knee concerns, obviously, in terms of the NFL draft. But then in training camp, these stories early on weren't great, that he was struggling to pick up the offense. They weren't sure if he was the guy yeah. uh, early on. And then on. it was surprising that, like, his first week active off IR boomerang, he came out and got touches, like, right away. Yeah, so that was to figure it out. Yeah, that he was – might not have so, figured it out in yeah. training camp, but the, he didn't. They draft him in the fifth. They didn't need him to start and figure it out right away. Back in college, he was kind of like a, like a wild horse. You know, like you could see the capabilities to be like you a, might sh- say a show pony. A Bronco? Uh, uh, I see what you did there. Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, because he's Boise State Broncos, if anybody doesn't get the joke. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, so I think that he's definitely a guy that can carry the workload and would be exciting if he was a feature back there. Miller's the guy – that is one of the most scariest guys in the NFL, not because of his skill, but because of the capital P, potential. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys like, man, he's just got that potential. And every year it's like, man, if he just and, – and if he could and if he just – and how many times are we going to set up these these statements with Lamar Miller and he's like, oh, he's just waiting and he's got this potential. He's just going to be one of those potential guys. I've never really liked him. He's, he's fast, but he never wowed me. And I know a lot of other guys in this building like Lamar Miller, but – I've had him on one team, one fantasy team in the last two years, and on that team I traded him. I just He's just not a guy I like having well, around. I think this year, though, I think this year was hard to judge when he rarely got more than 12 carries in a game. I yeah. mean, you're at that point – Maybe there's really, a reason why. You're really banking on him to break a long one at some point. I, I, I don't know that the Dolphins could figure out what they were doing with their offense. It's certainly not – Tell you what, that. you can draft Ryan Tannehill and Lamar Miller next year and just have like an all-Miami potential team and we'll see how <laughs> – <laughs> hey, we spent we spent a lot of time talking about Dolphins football, right? Yeah, now. I think uh, I think we've we've done enough of that. Anyway, we will look at last week. We're weekend's not talking George Cameron. Uh, <laughs> uh, if he's even a Dolphin, keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, keep going. Anyway, last weekend, wild card weekend. Of course, the one of the big stories that all four road teams won. Which I guess if you Whoop. if you uh, you know go by some of the um, shall we say more public predictions. Um, then that was kind of expected to happen, but uh, it was still kind of interesting to watch. Where to start? Start, uh, let's say, Pittsburgh-Cincinnati, because that one had maybe the most talked-about ending of the weekend, either that or Seattle-Minnesota. Pittsburgh-Cincinnati had the wild ending where uh, Ben Roethlisberger, with his arm hanging by a string, comes back into the game. And it was like reverse rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I don't, I won't say leads a touchdown drive, but was on the field and <laughs> took part in a game-winning, in a drive to lead to a game-winning field goal, helped in large part by two just brainless penalties by the Bengals. But um, from a fantasy perspective, we got a little bit out of, obviously Antonio Brown had a nice day, uh, Martavis Bryant, uh kind of was resurrected for the first time in a few Circus weeks. Circus catch touchdown yeah. okay. by Martavis Bryant. I don't think that was a touchdown. I don't know if it – I don't think it was. Either. I don't the know that he had control was because – It was called a touchdown on the field. No, because he had it pinned – he had it pinned up against his thigh with his right hand. If he had switched hands to then pull it out, and if he pulled it out 
from the inside of his leg, it would have been incomplete. But he kept it in his right, and he pulled out over the backside of his leg, showed, pose I'm just showed possession not sure. with the one hand. It's uh, true. I'm just not sure, though, that by the time he pinned it against his leg, he had enough time to get two feet in bounds before he did his somersault out of the back. What do you of the hate, zone. fun? What do you hate, fun? I mean, no, it was, a, it was an incredibly amazing athletic play, but if we are going to go by the rules that we all don't know what they are, um, and there you go. Right. <laughs> and you hit like, the nail on the head there. I mean, this is it, it's it's your weekly reminder that nobody knows the rules in this league. And you know, if we're going by these nebulous rules, it wasn't a catch. It was a really great athletic play. It wasn't a catch. Anyway, um, anyway. Antonio Brown seven catches, 119 yards. Martavis yep. Bryant had the 29 receiving yards and a touchdown. Also had 44 rushing yards. Um, second leading receiver for the Steelers in this game. It's Gerald Toussaint. Yeah, he had over 100 scrimmage yards on, uh, what is it, 21 touches. Fitzgerald Toussaint, backup Steelers running back or 18th century New Orleans wealthy landowner? <laughs> Both. Oh. Fitzgerald Toussaint. <laughs> hey, Jordan Todman was making plays too. Uh, the, yeah. The great part about it was, like, you could see that the, the Bengals backed off in order to prevent the deep passing game from Pittsburgh, and that opened up a lot of room for Toussaint and Todman as well. And that's something you didn't get the whole season. Like, Pittsburgh could fling the ball deep a lot because teams had to respect both of their really good running backs. I so don't, I don't see a lot of good bright spots on, on, on the Pittsburgh side of the ball this week when yeah. Big Ben – Sounds like he's he's gonna be able to go. Maybe he's day to day, which everyone's day to day at this point. But he's got some possibly torn ligaments. He said today he couldn't throw the ball more than ten air yards down the field. Yeah, when that, he came back. You're giving him that many. I'm not sure he can go that yeah. far. So that. so I was thinking, well, at least that might help uh, Antonio Brown's value if they're th throwing him bubble screens. But right. it sounds like he's not gonna be able to go. Right. Uh, the running backs. They're just some guys that had some nice games, but they're playing Denver. That Denver defense is pretty nasty against the run. So I, I, I don't know what – if you can start any Steelers in, in DFS this week. I mean, maybe if you're trying to squeeze a guy in with like a with a super budget lineup to, to, to go elsewhere. But, man, I would not get your hopes up or, or, or look elsewhere because that Pittsburgh team ah. – Well, and I thought – I really thought that last drive – was a major indictment of Landry Jones. If they had him in for the one drive, he throws the pick to uh, Vontez Perfect. Yep. And but why wouldn't you put Big Ben in that drive? Well, but, the, but, and, but I mean, that's, that's kind of my point, is that they were so concerned with Landry Jones that they were going to put a hobbled, obviously limited Ben Roethlisberger back in. They felt like they had a better shot with him to win that game than with think, Landry Jones. Yeah, look, I also think Ben put himself in. I was going to say. He's going to go up to – Tomlin, that that moment, I remember watching the game, and I just said, like, as soon as he went back in, I was like, this is peak Roethlisberger yeah. right now. Like, <laughs> come back in as the hero on the last drive when I'm clear. Like, have we – has Ben ever had an injury that we didn't know about? Like, he's constantly – like plays things up like it's a like it's a fatal injury when it's really just like the common cold, you know what I mean? Because he likes to he likes to be that hero. He likes to come back in, you know, when he's clearly banged up and and save the day. So I think that's I don't even know what to take of that like going into next week, but yeah, so uh, the Steelers this week though will be interesting. It's a good defense against a bad like a potentially really banged up offense, but that also means there's going to be some good opportunities for some contrarian plays there. So if people get off Martavis Bryant because Landry Jones is playing, I think that's an interesting opportunity on a short slate. All right, so I mean, I guess we have to ask the resident Steeler fan here, and that'd be franchise. I mean, aside from Antonio Brown, 
Who do you start in this offense? I've got no faith in anyone. If Landry Jones starts, I have no hope as a Steelers fan or as a fantasy player. Maybe Fitzgerald Toussaint, hoping he gets some volume because the Steelers start by you know start off with a, a run game type of game plan in the first half, and he gets volume. But like like uh, Dylan mentioned, the Denver defense is just too scary. I mean, I got Brian in my lineup only because I hardly ever take that guy out because he's he, every time I've taken him out, he burns me. Yeah, I just and don't. He just needs one. You just can't you know? trust the receivers with Landry Jones. He's just not good. You just need one with Martavis. He's not good. I, as soon as Big Ben got carted off the other night, I was just like, well, no hope. I kind of threw my arms up and was like, no hope. <laughs> the Bengals, Bengals have won this game. It's over. Yeah, except, you know, you got to remember the Bengals are going to Bengal. Yeah. So, uh, and that's yeah. what happens. Speaking of the Bengals, obviously their season is over, but I look – the one thing I saw out of A.J. McCarron in all of his starts at the end of the season is that the dude has no fear. He has no fear. I mean, we saw him come in. Obviously, he came in originally against the Steelers when uh, AJ, when Andy Dalton got hurt, threw that pick six to William Gay, who I think is still celebrating somewhere uh, behind it. He and Joey Porter. Right. But against the Broncos, I mean, all those games at the end of the season, A.J. McCarron stood in there, and he would make throws down the field. He was not afraid of that. And – the numbers weren't spectacular, 23 of 41, 212, one touchdown, one interception, but made some big throws, especially at the end, driving down the field. He threw what looked like could potentially be the game winner to A.J. Green and, and did some things. But I guess looking forward, are the Bengals an offense we believe in? I mean, is Andy Dalton, was this just the magical season, or has Andy Dalton kind of raised his game to another level now? Well, you knew A.J. McCarron has no fear when he walks into the tattoo part. Oh, that tattoo. I want that. Right, yes. Uh, but it, I, I've kind of liked – I've been an Andy Dalton apologist. You know, a, a lot of young quarterbacks have really peaked early recently with, with Andrew Luck and Cam Newton, and there's this sort of new, like, well, they got to start and they got to produce now. Andy Dalton has kind of taken the more traditional, like, develop approach, and so he's kind of hitting his stride now. It's going to be really interesting – uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming Hugh Jackson will not be there as offensive coordinator next year, so it depends on who they get in there. Uh, but I think he can go up. He can be a little bit more productive, you know. Uh, if they find another really productive receiver to pair out next to A.J. Green, I still believe in A.J. Green. I think Andy Dalton can have a slightly better uh, season than he did this year, but it's going to be dependent on who the coordinator is, if they still want to open it up or if they're going to – try to more ground and pound with their their dual-headed backfield they've got yeah I think if the thing with Dalton is like if you can protect him and put good talent around him we know he can produce I mean he was one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the NFL this year his sack rate is uh the 23rd uh lowest so that's good um he didn't get touched a lot and he obviously we know these guys are talented so I think he can run an offense that gets these guys some production, but it's like we saw this year. Like there would be weeks where Green would completely disappoint, or Eifert were com- would completely disappoint. Uh, Marvin Jones had his big weeks too. He's a free agent, so maybe that kind of simplifies things if he's removed from the equation. But it's just a weird offense because they want to establish the running game, but they have two pretty good running backs. But then they have all these talented passing weapons and a quarterback who is pretty good but limited. So it's just a frustrating offense to me. Uh, I'm so franchise. Uh... What do you do about the run? I mean, what do we do with the running backs next year? I mean, Gio Bernard, Jeremy Hill, great, split a lot great, of time. Great question. Um, I, I mean, was going to ask how do we handle that, that? actually, because <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Jeremy Hill, 
maybe like a fourth round running back at this point with all the, I, I don't know, with all the crazy stuff going on with running backs. Harmon is waving his arms wildly. <laughs> this is just I mean, no way. I mean, I, I, my answer is I don't know what to tell you yeah. because it, this guy. is just a mess with these two guys. And Gio Bernard had an awful ending to the season. He was He was a legit RB2 for like the first half just based on yardage alone, and then he fell off. And, I mean, Jeremy Hill had, like, 10, 10 touchdowns on the season or something, but they were few and far between, and they came in clusters. So. What I looked at last week for when I was writing my rather long uh, DFS preview uh, for last week's game, which expect another long one, boys. All uh, right. <laughs> no, but I looked at that Jeremy Hill. In games that he didn't score a rushing touchdown, he averaged just over five points. Well, and to franchise's so, point, yeah. to franchise's point that uh, you know he scored in bunches because he had 12 touchdowns overall. Um, and he had they did they two in week one, three in week four. Uh, he had one in week six. He had to wait a few weeks, and he had two of them in week eleven. I mean, that's just they weren't consistent. You know, like, I, I would rather have had him score one touchdown in eleven games yeah. versus you know twelve touchdowns in about six games. Cecil yeah. Lammy calls him a Costco back. Like, he just scored, gets it all in bulk, all of it in bulk, and then otherwise he's nothing. You know I who like loves that. Jeremy Hill? The graphics producers for NFL Fantasy Live on Monday. You know why? Because every week he was on our Fantasy Disappointments board, and every <laughs> week you wouldn't have to redo that board. He you could just put Jeremy there. Hill on the Fantasy Disappointments <laughs> board. All right. Boiler and you have plate. your Monday segment ready to go. Nice. Uh, yeah. I, you know, and the, you want to talk about a backfield that was a disappointment. In an offense that turned out to be pretty good, you would have figured that the backs would be a part of it, but it, it's – it was like you know, for those of us who play fantasy baseball, not you, Harmon. You can no, you can no. you can turn away for a while. <laughs> Should I leave? Um, go to the bathroom for the when break? you you know when you look at the box scores and you see a team has you know scored 15 runs and you got to figure my guy must have had a great day and you like your guy was the one dude who was like one for six. Ah, oh, I hate that. <laughs> you know that was that was the the Cincinnati backfield this year. They were scoring points. They were moving the ball up and down the field, and somehow. Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill just weren't uh, weren't involved. Uh, moving on to Kansas City, Houston. Uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this one. <laughs> we won't spend a lot of How'd time. How'd my all here. Houston DFS lineup do? Uh, well, Brian Hoyer Bad. pretty much sunk you all by himself. <laughs> uh, you got five points from the kicker and the the, the defense combined because we do a we do a little competition like we all make lineups at in our Vegas trip at football guys and whoever loses whoever scores the least amount of points has to jump in the pool at the mansion that we stay at and mansion uh, yeah mansion. sorry humble brag who knew look at me who knew football guys had it like that you know? <laughs> well you know I mean, don't get things like that at the NFL there's just not a lot of resources kids if you want a <laughs> uh, role model want to know what you can do when you grow up look no further than Matt Harmon yeah, it looks pretty good over here. But anyways, um, my point was like after that, I had in that in my lineup for that for that contest, I had uh, both the Houston defense and the kicker. And like I was as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm going to the pool. No. Yeah. But luckily, uh, I, I escaped that. Brian Hoyer, uh, yep. five turnovers by himself, he, four interceptions and a fumble. Brian Hoyer needs to go in the pool, dude. Brian, I feel like I feel kind of bad for Brian Hoyer because you could just see like from the first drop back, he looked jittery, yeah. he looked nervous, and like 
Brian Hoyer seems like a pretty good dude, and like he actually had a pretty solid season, like as the Houston starter. But yeah. like he's the type of guy that when it goes bad, like he strangles the life out of a team. They put in Ryan Mallett. I mean, earlier this year on Hard Knocks, it was really who's going to start, Ryan Mallett or Brian Hoyer. Yeah. How bad? How bad was Ryan Mallett this year? He was atrocious. Yeah. Yet he couldn't. He beat out Brian Hoyer after a couple of weeks. After I mean, one. After a qu- two quarters. Two quarters. Can you imagine what uh, Bill O'Brien what the uh, film room must have been like with him, just uh, watching these plays, <laughs> trying to deter- trying to decide between just two atrocities on that field. Yeah. I mean, those practices must have just been frustrating. Yeah. Uh, the upside here, Alfred Blue actually had a nice game, 17 carries, 99 yards, especially considering the game getting away. You would have figured that you know they, they wouldn't have uh, gone, although – in full disclosure, one of those runs was 49 yards. Did you just say Alfred Blue and Upside in the same sentence? Alfred Blue. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Can we scrub that? Yikes. Can, we, can we fix that in post? Um, Yikes. Uh, otherwise, I mean, what what else is there to talk about? DeAndre Hopkins, uh, 11 targets, 6 catches, 69 yards. Yeah, he, uh, he's likely going to be a first-round fantasy pick next year, I would think. Yeah. Bro, yeah. Don't, don't bury the lead here. What? This is, it's all about bird alert. Well, I was getting to the Kansas ah, City side. I'm going sorry. to get to the Kansas City <laughs> I'm side. I'm not professional. Bird alert. I don't know how to do this. Uh, um, yeah, the the bird alert, though. Uh, make it to play. It was funny because I was out running errands uh, with my girlfriend, and I checked my phone. So I didn't get to sit and watch the game, but I checked my phone. And here I have all these text messages from you yahoos yeah. about the bird alert. Bird about alert. You guys are you're all well, at home I'm sitting there watching the bird game. alert. I'm sitting there watching the game in Vegas with with the, all the guys that I was with, mansion. and I just in the mansion, correct, in the TV room actually. With this one, uh, and I'm going, I'm going bird alert, and everybody's looking at me like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, I'm on my couch with my girlfriend, jumping off every time a pass goes. This way, going bird alert, bird alert. She goes, "What are you even saying? Stop saying that. It's annoying." <laughs> Which, by the way, the, I and I wish I could find the tweet. Someone did tweet at us uh, asking why it is that we said. Bird alert. Uh. At which point, <laughs> James Coe very, you know, politely informed them that no, it's it's actually Bert alert because it's Albert Wilson. Yeah, maybe we should explain to the viewing audience or listening well, audience who's also going, "What the hell are you talking?" Yeah, about? I, still <laughs> say, I still say Bird alert when somebody <laughs> bird hits the field. Bird well, man. So you never say it then is what you're saying. Um, yeah. So that was uh, something in the fantasy stronghold that we started uh, kind of late, midway through the year, maybe late in the year. Uh, about Albert Wilson, we all started to become a fan of him. Yeah, yeah but, the uh, newsroom loves it, guys. Albert, Albert Wilson is uh, is one of my like one of my like favorite receivers. That's not really a thing, <laughs> but I want him to be a thing yeah. so bad. He only had like twenty total yards in this game. Isn't Albert? Isn't doesn't Albert Wilson sound like a like a Scotland Yard detective? Oh, I thought he. Uh, <laughs> I actually thought he was like a backup in the Four Tops. Uh. Um, so. Yeah, he didn't do much actually, but uh, we get excited every time Albert Wilson catches a pass. And uh, hey, he got he had four touches. He had two catches for nine yards and two rushes for eleven yards. That's right. Uh, but Travis Kelsey, it was Travis Kelsey day. Monster game. Uh, you know, it's it, you'd been waiting all year for this. We had been trying to, you know, we had been really trying to make Travis Kelsey a thing, and he has such, such ability. It just never really materialized Capital uh, during potential. the season, and. It finally happened over the weekend. Eight catches, 120. Mind you, Alex Smith threw for 190 yards. Mm-hmm. 128 of mm-hmm. them went to Travis Kelsey. That's insane. When when did Jeremy Macklin get hurt here? Like how early? I, I forget like how early. It was, was in the th- second quarter. Second. 
I feel like. Yeah. Like he came out and just and then Smith just started lighting up Kelsey. So even then, even before then though, he Kelsey was getting all. It's the, the way offense out. from last year. They didn't have Macklin. They didn't have really anybody to throw to. Right. Dwayne, including Dwayne Bow. Uh, hey, did you know that the Chiefs receivers last year did not catch a touchdown? Have no. You, have you heard that? What? I know. Shocking, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick also went to Harvard. No. Julius Thomas played basketball. No. Uh, stop. I heard Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver in college. Uh, all right. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Cut that out. So. Right <laughs> like, I got to edit all this. Okay, so. I mean, looking at the Chiefs, obviously, you know, Go, the big story for them going into this week is the status of Jeremy Macklin. Yeah, you know, yeah. They found out, obviously, it was not a torn ACL, which is what the fear was initially. It's a high ankle sprain, which, while doesn't automatically take him out of action, is always, as we know, a lingering injury and certainly puts his availability in doubt for this weekend. Definitely. Um, I mean, with the, the Chiefs going to New England to take on the Patriots, it's likely going to be cold. Uh, the, the Patriots defense, certainly no pushover. I mean, do you trust – anybody you trust here? I mean, Sharkandrick West, Spencer Ware maybe? I mean, anybody in this offense you trust from a fantasy perspective? I trust Spencer Ware, but I also say that with the knowledge that he's probably going to need the right game script for him to be the guy because he's really their closing hammer. I expect him to be, like, the number two back behind Jamal Charles next year. Like, he's looked really, really good whenever he gets touches. He's an aggressive, like, hammerhead runner. And so if Houston keeps – I mean, not Houston. If uh, New England and the Kansas City Chiefs are a – is that a, if that's a close game, where is going to be the guy there? I'm, honestly, I mean, what's Sharkandrick West done lately that makes us – any confident that he's the better player. So I, I trust Ware in this spot. I also, like, if you're playing DFS, like, I think it's if Macklin sits, you have to throw, like, some bargain darts at Chris Conley or Albert Wilson. Yeah. Because the we know the Patriots like to shut down whatever a team does best. And in the passing game right now, that's clearly Travis Kelsey if Macklin sits. Yeah. Yeah. I think this game could get out of hand fast. Yeah. Uh, this game is is not setting up well. Uh, for the Chiefs without Macklin, if he, it, it, which it looks like I, I don't think he's going to be able to go. No. Um, and whenever Belichick has a couple of weeks to rest and game plan for, for a team, it usually does not bode well for the other side of the ball. And the other thing uh, that I think will play into this, if we take a stroll down Narrative Street, is oh uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, I, I thought this was going to be another uh, Tom Brady forget you season and just go buck wild and prove why he's Tom Brady. And I feel like this is going to be uh, part two of that campaign. It was like, all right, let's fire back up for the playoffs. We're going deep. And yeah. this game could get out of hand quickly. And that Chiefs offense is not a team built to play from behind. No. No. As the cliche goes. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. So that's going to be one. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, yep. Houston, quickly, anything to look forward to with this group next year fantasy-wise? First, let's talk about – J.J. Watt running the Wildcat. Stop. Oh, man, that was insane. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Wait, what, is, <laughs> what is that about? What was the with score with that happened, blocking? by the way? That was still fairly was, close. It was uh, early in the game. Yeah. That was fairly early in the game. Yeah, and then Hoyer threw a pick on, like, the next the next. I'm almost next surprised it didn't work. <laughs> if you actually no, – I'm not surprised play, he doesn't you, know how to run the ball. I mean, huge, yeah, they should have. He's just strong. Like, I thought he could get two yards. 
Apparently not. Apparently, Apparently not. Can. Apparently not behind Apparently Vince Wilfork, who's like the yeah, biggest right? player in the NFL. What that's what I don't like. I never, I never really like the D lineman blocking, right? Because that's a whole and, and they, they, fit thing. Yeah, they and they said it during the broadcast, like like Kansas City didn't know where the ball was going after you see Wilfork line up and Watt in the right. Wildcat, like, duh. Uh, <laughs> this was great. John McClain, the great Houston beat yeah, writer, he, he said following that play, Watt following Wilfork into end zone. Give me a break. The only place Watt follows Wilfork is to Killen's Barbecue. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> great. Nice. Killen's is delicious, by the way. I've um, been there. But the, the Texans, I mean. But for next year, yeah. Well, next year, I mean, you know, do we expect Arian Foster back? Uh, I mean, what do they do with quarterback? I mean, there are so many questions. Besides DeAndre Hopkins, there are no sure things in this offense, no, are there? No. And even if Arian Foster does come back, he's so banged up. Now he's had so many, like, what, three surgeries in the last 18 months or some, something crazy like that. Like, he's uh, he's got to be almost done. Yeah. I just, yeah. I they they got to draft a running back. I mean, it's it's DeAndre Hopkins probably going in the first round in a, lot of, in a lot of drafts. And then you might not get any more Texans drafted. No. You know, maybe the, oh, the defense. defense. The defense. Yeah. Yeah. They need it. a quarterback. If they can't solve the quarterback question, then th- it, the same thing as this year, basically. That's yeah. it. All right. Uh, moving on to Seattle, Minnesota. Not a lot to talk about fantasy-wise in this one. Obviously, the, the big story was Blair Walsh missing the 27-yard field goal late in the game, and that allowed the, the Seahawks to escape with a 10-9 win. But from a fantasy perspective, I mean, I've, I've obviously the cold was a huge story in this game. Huge. I think that a lot – to keep the numbers down, I mean, Russell Wilson, 142 passing yards, had the one touchdown and a pick. Teddy Bridgewater actually had more passing yards, 146. Uh, Adrian Peterson with 58 scrimmage yards, had a big fumble late in that game. Uh, you know, even Doug Baldwin, the he had a, a game high with 42 receiving yards. I mean, uh, there's just there was just nothing fantasy wise that happened in nothing. this game. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what to say about it other than it's a classic Seattle game. I think the last five weeks of the season was sort of the outlier for Seattle, uh, with those explosion of points. They're usually this grind it out, slow it down. Doug Baldwin leaves the leads the team with forty nine yards and maybe a score. You know, one week Jermaine Curse gets in the action and it's just a head scratcher. This was a, a typical Seattle game. Um and I think that this is more uh, what you can expect next year than uh, than what you saw in the last five weeks of the season. I will say this uh, from a non-fan, just from a football perspective, the NFC is going to rue the missed opportunity to kill the beast. They had a chance to slay the monster right here, yeah. and Minnesota missed it. This Usually what happens is a team like the Seahawks, they see their football lives flash in front of their eyes, they rise from the dead, and then they open up a can of whoop-ass on everybody else the rest of the way. So the Vikings really missed the chance to slay the beast, and I think the rest of the NFC could potentially pay for it because of that. Um, Green Bay, Washington. This has a lot more uh, of intrigue to talk about because, you know, all week long the story had been what's up with the Packers' offense? You know, do they have enough to – wait, I mean, it kind of was – could they win a shootout with Kirk Cousins and Washington? I mean, that was kind of the thought. If Kirk Cousins like does, that. Like that. <laughs> right? Exactly. If if Kirk Cousins does what he's or been doing Cobb? the last few weeks, and it got to a high-scoring game, could Aaron Rodgers and the Packer offense keep up? And early on, it looked bad. I mean, they give up a safety. 
Uh, Washington comes down the field. Looks like they looks like they'd scored a touchdown, but Deshaun Jackson put the ball behind his back instead of reaching out over the goal line. Where have oh. I seen that before? Um, you know, and so they settle for a field goal. But even after that, they come back with another touchdown. It's eleven nothing, really early, and it looked like the nightmare was on for the Packers. And then they roll off what thirty two unanswered, something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, they're thirty five unanswered actually at that point. And uh, it was the pa- are, are the Packers back? I mean, can we say this now? Is is, is the Packer offense back to what we thought it was going to be? It might be. I, even Devontae Adams was making catches in this game, but he hurt his knee. I think. I don't yeah. believe he's going to play this no, week. It's yeah, unlikely. Which which sucks, but I I, I see, think it's I don't see them going far. If they have to play, they have to beat Arizona, who destroyed them. Yeah, that's if they be get past game. Arizona, they have to either beat Seattle or Carolina. I just don't see that happening. I think that they got it together for one game, but there's a lot of better defenses and better uh, teams. Teams that are executing better right now than the Packers, and so I think this was. Yeah, you wouldn't ever count out Aaron Rodgers, but as a whole right now, they're not clicking as well as the other Well, yeah. Harmon, I mean, was this a case of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers figuring it out, or is it just that Washington's secondary is trash? Yeah, I think both. I mean, it's still a sporadic offense, like a, almost on a quarter-to-quarter basis, like you said. Early on, it looked it looked like the same old story, but then, yeah, Washington does not have a good secondary, or and their front seven, which was kind of had its moments this year. They were getting pushed around a lot in the running game. I mean, Eddie Lacy was making some plays running slow as slow as ever but you know still was getting a lot of space between him and defenders because the line blocked really well so yeah that's the thing to me I just I don't really trust the Packers offense still I think this they ran into a really bad defense which I think by some metrics were it was like the worst clearly of the eight defenses that that played last week um so yeah I, I don't know I, I don't trust them still I mean for all the you know, superlatives we say about Aaron Rodgers and the way he played. I mean, to watch him play, he looked like the Aaron Rodgers we've come to know. Yeah. Statistically, eh, 210, two touchdowns. I mean, it was a, a ho-hum game from a fantasy perspective, but it just – he looked more like Aaron Rodgers as opposed to whoever that imposter was who had been wearing number 12 for the last few weeks. Um, in the backfield, you mentioned Eddie Lacy. Yes, slower than molasses in January, but – he did have 63 rushing yards and a touchdown. James Starks ran for 53 yards, had another 12 yards receiving. This is officially a committee now, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there, there's no way around it. This is officially a committee in Green Bay, at least for the remainder of, of the season. Uh, who knows next year, but there's nothing else there. Um, quickly on Washington, do does anybody here believe in Kirk Cousins? I mean, was this a flash in the pan? Was this the was this the magical season? Was this the Nick Foles twenty seven and two, or is That's, there something there? The Nick Foles thing does that kind of speaks to me. In the- <laughs> <laughs> it, it, if you look, and I, this was another thing that I talked about last week too. Like, if you looked at the defenses that Kirk Cousins had tore up down the stretch, all of them but two finished in the bottom twelve in the NFL in sack rates during the regular season. And against those two teams, Carolina and Chicago, he was pretty pedestrian and then put up all his big games in those defenses that couldn't rush the passer. And I think you saw that come to fruition in this playoff game. Like, he had a pretty good stat line, but he also fumbled the ball twice. I think one of them they lost. Actually, three and, fumbles and lost one. Okay, there you go. Even worse. Um, so, I, and you can see when you watch him that he gets jittery under pressure. And so, if he plays more teams next year with good defenses or – 
Their line still isn't that good. I think, that, again, like an Andy Dalton, like if you can protect him, if you can put good weapons around him, he can be a pretty productive starter for you. But I also think there's a ceiling there because of how he deals with pressure. So I, I would almost be willing to bet that he uh, – not bet, but you know what I mean. Uh, I would be willing to assert that he's going to be overdrafted next year in fantasy. It would be interesting to see how he comes out having the entire offseason and training camp as the starter, as the guy. He's already uh, making demands, man. Like, the, it was there was a uh, – Because he was the backup that got hot this yeah. year and stayed in. Now this is his team. And, and he, think- said, he said in the off – like, just – after that game ended, he's like, I want to construct the game plan in the offense more to fit my strengths. And I was like, bro, you got to get that contract first. <laughs> that money. Uh, Jordan Reed is an elite tight end. Yes. If he can stay healthy, which we say this all the time, if a guy can stay healthy, but he's one of the top tight ends in football right now. Is he the, is he the number two tight end behind Gronk now? I would still take Eifert because I the like concussions. Olsen. Yeah. But Olsen's like the steady, like yeah. you know what you're going to get thing. Um, I would take Eifert, even though he has injury problems, just because the concussions with Jordan Reed scare me. Like, if he gets another concussion, yeah. that could be yeah. a wrap. And, yeah. And I I would really like to see Matt Jones turn into a lead back in Washington. And he looked good at a lot of times this year. And yeah. if they can figure out a running game, that obviously helps Kirk Cousins. And I think he can. you might see a downtick a little bit in some of those big games, but you'll see a lot more steady Kirk Cousins. Is he a top ten quarterback? maybe like a meh. you know you're not drafting him over Brady Rodgers Luck Roethlisberger Cam Romo uh, David <laughs> Carr Breeze Carson Palmer maybe Russell Wilson so like he's like right there you yeah know? I draft him over Tannehill I'd say that how yeah. about how about Eli Manning I don't like Mr. Manning I just I think Eli is what he is I think all these guys again you know we're talking about drafting quarterbacks again I think all of these guys are like streamers like I would right. rely on them f- like a week to week a good matchup thing but this is why I don't want to go in and be like I'm dra- I'm drafting this quarterback like just here's why you draft Kirk Cousins over Eli franchise why if you have Kirk Cousins you can be that annoying guy in your fantasy league every time you get a win screaming you like that if you draft Eli Manning all you're gonna do is make the Manning face and you like that <laughs> and it's like more that. fun to have Kirk Cousins on your team than Eli Manning that's some high level reasoning right there yeah uh, fantasy is all about fun I feel like uh, I feel like that's a good way to end uh, this little part of the discussion I um, agree so looking ahead. We've got four games this weekend, and uh, it gets started on Saturday with Kansas City at New England. We talked a little bit about the Chiefs and what we can expect from them. And so on the other side, the Patriots, we know this cast of characters. It's it's Tom Brady. It's Rob Gronkowski. It's the hoodie and scowling on the sideline. But beyond that, what do you do fantasy-wise? I mean, the backfield is a mess. The wide receiver core, I mean, you know, hopefully Julian Edelman is back to play, but if not. Julian Edelman is supposed to be, air quotes, full throttle for the game. Okay. Full throttle. Broke his foot in like Wasn't that an energy drink? Is that, did they still? Uh, Maybe. Yeah. 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 um, Yeah. You know, so, okay, so you've got Julian Edelman. I, I mean, is that it? Is that, are those the only Patriots you can trust this week? I mean, do you take a chance on James White? I mean, Certainly not Steven Jackson, right? Well, I hate, I hate the thing about James White because, like, he was <laughs> scoring touchdowns and, like, putting up fantasy numbers, but he was also doing it, like, on an average of less than 10 touches, and he's a pass-catching specialist. So it's like you want to project the game flow, and I, I tend to doubt that he gets the same amount of looks with Edelman back and Amendola back and Gronk there. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really trust any – I mean, again – 
predicting the game flow here, like if you expect New England to blow out Kansas City, somebody has to do it, but who? Because this offense hasn't looked really good down the Not spot. really. No. This, right. Look, nobody can ever predict Bellatrix, but it's always fun to try. Yeah. Watch this be the game where it's Steven Jackson. Oh. Maybe. Uh, this is a Steven almost, Jackson game. That's gonna almost be, certainly going to happen at some gonna point. It's going to be cold. That dude is jacked still. It's his first playoff game since the Reagan administration. Like, he's <laughs> going to be running hard. Yeah. This guy is going hard. And watch Steven Jackson get a score, maybe two, and like 65 yards. I was going to say 25 carries, 45 yards, and three touchdowns. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, playing the role I, of Garrett Blunt in the 2015 playoffs. Do I have him in my DFS lineup? No, I don't. You, I got some other things I'll tell you about. But I think this could be a Steven Jackson game. I mean, and then he does all that, and then he just rides off into the sunset. Yep. With never to be heard from this again. This one's like possible for S-Jacks. You know. Yeah. But if, you, if you're playing Playoff Challenge, which you can play at NFL.com slash Playoff Challenge, the only good. real guys you, you're going with here are Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski. I mean, yeah, that's got to be it. That's it. Yeah. That's got to be it. Um, Green Bay, Arizona. And so we're obviously not completely sold on the Packer offense being back to what it was. Of course, these two teams met a few weeks ago, and the Packers were just clobbered in that one. Eight sacks, is that right? Eight yeah, sacks? Oh, just yeah. clobbered I mean, by the Cardinals in this one. I feel like, though, on the Arizona side – there are a lot more sure things. I mean, I think you know Carson Palmer looks good. David Johnson might be, I think, the one consensus postseason running yes. back. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the one guy that I think everybody looks at and says, yep, I'm putting David Johnson in my lineup. Agreed. No questions asked. He's not in your perfect cha- or playoff challenge lineup. You're doing it you wrong. You did it wrong. You are doing it wrong. My you playoff challenge lineup is nothing but Patriots and Cardinals. Good luck well, to there you. There you go. Um, at least David Johnson should be in there. And you should be in there. <laughs> the wide receiver spot, I think, in Arizona is where it gets – a little tricky, not because they're all, not because they're bad. You just, you just don't know whose turn it's going to be on right. any given week. If you're looking at the cornerback versus wide receiver matchup, typically Casey Hayward plays in the slot for Green Bay, so he'll get, and he's probably their best corner. Especially, did Sam Shields play this week? Uh, I do not believe. No, he was inactive. I believe. Yeah, okay, because he had that concussion. So if he's back, he's a good outside cover corner. Casey Hayward's a really good slot corner. He should see most of Larry Fitzgerald. So it's going to be whoever gets. Most of the snaps at right wide receiver, which is typically like either John Brown or Michael Floyd kind of alternate there. So I I like Brown and I'm shocked. I like John Brown in this spot <laughs> a lot. Um, and but also Michael Floyd, too. Both of those guys are always undervalued in DFS, like from a week, like a week to week basis because of the consistency that you mentioned. But both of those guys had pretty good stretches to end the season and even dating back to the middle of the year. So those are the two guys I'd be looking at. Early on this week, uh, when I had Antonio Brown in my lineup, uh, before I realized he was probably not going to play, uh, I had a flyer in J.J. Nelson in my lineup, just hoping he just needs one. Um, since since I've readjusted my lineup without Antonio Brown, uh, I've I rejiggered my lineup. I don't have any Cardinals receivers now, just because yeah. I think he gets spread too much. Um, but I felt like for a flyer, you just need one. Saving with J.J. Nelson, uh, I felt like that might might be one that pays off. Okay. Yeah, that's right. interesting. I mean, and, and if you're going to go, again, like on the Packers side, if you're going to go for super value, you can look at a Jared Aberderis who's going to probably get a lot more snaps with uh, – with Aberderis. Yeah. <laughs> with Devontae <laughs> Adams on the sideline. Oh, um, Aberderis. So I'll be interested to see what happens with him. What about uh, Richard Rodgers maybe getting some look? Uh, Rich Rod? Gross. In the end zone. Rich Rodgers. You know – you want to go value play in DFS for a tight end? The one thing about Washington losing was that it really – 
kind of went a long way toward drying up the tight end position because now it's pretty much it's Gronk or Olsen. I feel like that's that's the, the top tier yeah. in DFS is Gronk, Olsen, and Kelsey. I mean, yeah. So if we if and we follow the narrative that Belichick shuts down what the other team does best, which is Kelsey, so yeah, that does just leave pretty much Olsen and Gronk. And Gronk. I mean, that's kind of it. I mean, we we had a couple more options last week, but uh, the Washington I love for losing. Vernon Davis. No. Aww. Oh. He's, I forgot he was in. Flick. I honestly, I really honestly forgot that he was in Denver. Heath, Heath Miller. Black. Uh, <laughs> I mean. If uh, if Ben is playing, then yeah, because he's going to throw a lot of more short passes with that rounds out screwed up arm he's got there. <laughs> yeah. But um, moving on to the Sunday game. Speaking of Ben Roethlisberger, Pittsburgh at Denver. Of course, uh, we're not sure the statuses of Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. Um, Roethlisberger has a, a a sprained AC joint and some torn ligaments in that, his shoulder. That doesn't seem good. No. Doesn't seem conducive to throwing I'm, a football. Uh, I'm no doctor, but that doesn't seem good. So uh, you know, they're going in against obviously a very good Denver defense, and, and we haven't talked about fantasy defenses, but I feel like this is one with the Steelers really, really injured now that boosts the value of the Bronco defense for this weekend for DFS for everything for sure. at this point. Um, you know, obviously they're a very aggressive defense. They get after the quarterback, which we know that Ben obviously isn't the most mobile guy out there. And then you've got, you know, you've got pressure coming off the edge, pressure coming up the middle. Uh, that really makes things very, very difficult. And if it's if it's Landry Jones, then suddenly the secondary potentially gets to feast and, and pick up a, a few interceptions there. So I think that the Bronco defense is one to keep an eye on. But offensively, the big question around Denver is what what can we expect from Peyton Manning this week? I mean, he's back in the saddle. The sheriff, the sheriff puts his badge back on again. I mean, what do we expect from him this he's week? He's going to have to deal with the Steelers linebackers too. Ryan Shazier was an animal. He was a beast. Day. Yes, and we know uh, Peyton Manning isn't. He makes at least earlier in the season he's making some bad decisions under pressure. So um, I've always been a Peyton uh, apologist, and I've never. I've always, period. I've always been a Peyton apologist. I thought that he's gotten a lot of bad raps for his playoff performances. And if you want to go with that narrative, here come the playoffs and cold yeah. weather. Don't start Peyton. Right. If you're an apologist like me and you're looking at his play on the field, there wasn't a lot of good stuff going on in the field to begin with this year. It's not like he was torching the NFL and then he got hurt. He was he was abysmal. Yeah. I think he was leading the NFL in interceptions up until the last week, and he missed ten games or so. Yeah. Yes. Like. Now he's back. It's not yeah, it was, like it was in week seventeen when Blake Bortles finally. Yeah, <laughs> like he's coming back. It's like, whoa, okay, now that offense is really gonna be humming again. I mean, right. oh, he's back. Is that actually? I would rather have Brock Osweiler under center right now. The one so thing, is I, the thing, I, the one thing that uh, you could you could see in week seventeen when Manning came in for Osweiler is the, the ground game got going for Denver. Yeah, yeah, they also made some offensive lineman uh, changes too. That that definitely helped that as well. I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at this now, and like Manning is is the biggest value among like start surefire starting quarterbacks because that doesn't include Landry Jones in DFS this week. And I'm gonna have some Peyton Manning lineups because it, the, the weakness of the Steelers defense is their outside cornerbacks, um, and I think that he still has two really good receivers who can make plays after the catch. Yeah, it's in Denver where he should have a little less trouble throwing the ball down the field. Um, like I said, they made some line changes, so hopefully during the bye week they can protect a little bit better. The Steelers don't have a great pass rush. They're like a bend but don't break defense, and I think Manning can 
get them to bend enough. See, um, what I think could happen out of that, which I would tend to start over which going up for oh, instead of saving with Peyton is Demarius Thomas because I guarantee you if they're smart, the Broncos are going to be running those bubble screens with Demarius Thomas, those tunnel screens, six, eight times in this game if they're smart. But what about the Manuel Sanders revenge game? Revenge part nope. two. Nope. Revenge. Not buying it. Yeah, I don't feel like you can get revenge a second time. You have one shot at revenge, and then uh, if you didn't get a couple it, years removed, you kind of you kind of missed out on your chance. You're so. implying too much logic. This, this revenge, th- but this game, game where there is not. This game is going to feature uh, a quarterback who's a noodle arm quarterback in maybe his last year uh, of his career against another against another quarterback. quarterback whose arm is hanging by a thread. I mean, are the balls going to be in the air for 15 yards at any given point outside of kickoffs and punts? Maybe. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I, seriously. Uh, okay, so then last question about this game. Yeah. If I forced you to pick a Bronco running back, which way are you going? Oh, CJ, baby. CJ Anderson. Yeah. No Dylan? no doubt. Dylan? I don't. <laughs> I like that. I like <laughs> that. Just I'm no? going. I'm, I like good I like Ronnie players. Hillman. I like Ronnie Hillman more than CJ Anderson. CJ Anderson breaks a couple off a few times, but in general, I like the – the, the the big hitters where you could just put Ronnie. I see you pointing me out the you door. You need to Leave get this out. podcast. This is this is a CJ Truther zone only. Well, then, you, <laughs> then I'm glad uh, you didn't have me on preseason. I would I CJ Anderson was my undraftable list this this preseason. Wow, man. <laughs> I just don't believe in CJ. I mean, he's a overproductive runner for who he is. I've always believed that, for the most part, NFL talent evaluators get things right. Oftentimes, there's these outliers that they don't get right, <coughs> Tom Brady. But most of the time, especially with running backs, there's a reason they got drafted where they were. C.J. Anderson was undrafted for a reason. And he's outperformed his skill set, but I still think at his core, he's this kind of undrafted he is who he is this year, and I think last year was kind of a surprise. He was fourth or third on the depth chart. Ronnie Hillman's a faster guy, and I think he's more of a one-cut-and-go, and C.J. And Anderson dances a lot and plods to the outside. He's had some good runs, but not anything to just say he's got to be in my lineup. Okay. I think we're watching different running backs, but that's just me. I, I love CJ. I think he combines ba- – he's a big back with balance, and those guys are key in the playoffs. So I like CJ this week. I've liked him all along. I think he's underrated as a running back. I mean – We'll see who has to jump in the pool this week, won't we? <laughs> I'm not jumping in any pools. <laughs> Man. All right. Uh, last game of the weekend, one that at least on paper looks like the most intriguing, Seattle at yeah. Carolina. Two teams that really – are kind of mirror images of one another. I mean, very strong defenses, good mobile quarterbacks who, especially the last part of the season, played way above their heads, Uh, wide receiver groups that are on paper pretty questionable, and potentially two running backs who've missed some time recently but could come back and be a big part of their games. Uh, I mean, I feel like this is one, whether it's Cam Newton or Russell Wilson, potentially Marshawn Lynch or Jonathan Stewart, you know, I'd say Greg Olson versus Doug Baldwin. There are so many things in this game that just kind of look to be the same, only different. Yeah. Same, same. Same, same, different. Uh, different. different. Right, exactly. When you're looking at, at making DFS lineups too, like you often want to find the 
game that's most likely to turn into a shootout. And for me, last week it was the Green Bay-Washington game, and that kind of kinda, materialized. Kinda. But, you know, Green Bay definitely got out of to a big lead. I think this game, out of all four of them, even though it features some strong defense and running games theoretically, I think this is the one that could end up being – the highest scoring game. And for that, that means I want to stack, you know, opposing passing games or, you know, even get creative and throw a running back in there. Like Kristen Michael looked pretty good last week. And if Marshawn Lynch is going to sit again, I might take a flyer on him, but I've been here the whole time. (laughs) Are you going to be here this week? That's the question. That is the big question. Will he be here this week? I I have two players from this game in my, in my DFS lineup right now, Uh, both flyers because I'm going chalk with, Brady and Gronk and David Johnson, so I really need to save. I'm going with, in my flex, Cameron Artis Payne, just because I think that even though Johnson Stewart is back, they're still going to try to split some time, and there might be a goal line vulture, and in order to save, I, I flex Cameron Artis Payne. And then Seattle, uh, it's always sort of a crapshoot uh, outside the last five weeks of which receiver is going to do what. I just took a flyer on Jermaine Curse, just because I think that there could be some points here, and if Norman is shutting down Doug Baldwin. Uh, I, I just think that Tyler Lockett could be a guy, but for the value, I, I threw in Jermaine Curse to make. See, I love Baldwin this week because you mentioned Josh Norman. Like he almost strictly plays on the outside, and Baldwin goes into the slot for most of his routes. I mean, I think that's almost like primarily where he plays. So I don't think he's going to see a lot of Josh Norman. I think he ends up seeing a lot of like Cortland Finnegan or. Uh, Robert McLean, the other guy that they signed to replace uh, Charles Tillman when he went on IR. That Panthers cornerback group outside of Norman is kind of falling apart, and I think Baldwin, just looking at where they all line up, he's probably going to do most of the damage because, like, Randall Cobb, slot receiver, he went had a nice game against Carolina. Norman didn't follow him. When T.Y. Hilton went into the slot when they played the Colts, Norman didn't follow him there. Even Beckham, when he went into the slot in that game, Norman didn't follow him. So I, I expect Baldwin to have another really big game. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I, I just feel like this this game could be the most interesting because I feel like these two teams are the most alike uh, of the two teams matching up this week. Uh, before, the two best quarterbacks. Like, it's the yes. two best quarterback matchups. Does anyone have Cam in their lineup this week? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, would, yeah I would definitely make some Cam yeah, lineups. You have to. Um, before we daily dap it and get out of here, uh, just to, you know, cause a little bit of mild panic, if you wish, uh, Mike Reese – uh, who follows the New England Patriots, just tweeted moments ago, Rob Gronkowski not spotted by reporters at the start of practice. Patriots are not required to submit injury reports until Wednesday. Could be something. Wait, Patriots are doing injury report shenanigans right now? Could be something. Could be nothing. But, uh, you know, just because I like to be an agent of chaos and uh, potentially stir some panic on a Tuesday morning. That's how I get my kicks, kids. That's what we're going to do right here. Anyway, uh, shall we dap it and go? Let's do it. All right, Daily Dap It, because uh, you've done a really good job holding it down behind the glass. Uh, Mr. Franchise, we'll let you go first. All right. Uh, this weekend, I went grocery shopping with my girlfriend to Trader Joe's <laughs> on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Trader Joe's is a grocery Wait, you weren't shopping. watching football? I was planning to until something while I was grocery shopping happened. You're fine. Um, we were leaving, and we were on the elevator on the way down with, like, eight other people, and we got trapped in the elevator <laughs> for 30 minutes with eight other people. And I'll tell you what, it was getting hot in that elevator. Oh. 
Uh, we called the help button. They were like, "Yeah, frozen oh. food." Uh, a few of us did. A uh, couple I next see. to us had a bottle of wine in case we needed it. Thankfully, we all had our groceries in case it extended. But um, <laughs> my, basically, my daily dap is going out to the Los Angeles Fire Department for coming out and rescuing us. They basically – it was we were on the third floor. They had to manually lower the elevator down to the bottom floor and pry the door open with their hands. Wow. Um, so my daily dap is going out to the LAF. D saving lives every day. Wow, there you go. Cool, uh, Matt Harmon. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna adapt the college football national championship from last night. It was a that great was game. an awesome it was game. A fantastic it was. Game. And I mean, I love island games with no fantasy implications because then you can just <laughs> sit back and just backswim in the takes on Twitter and everything. And <laughs> also, college football tends to be like. Like a more fun like experience because things are just going you know wild. like at the end of the game when they dump the the Gatorade on Saban and it was red and like there were a lot of memes coming out like the Gatorade bottle is filled with the 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 blood of Nick Saban's enemies. Oh my then, god! Like <laughs> <laughs> like Lane Kiffin gets left by the team bus at the end of the game like the perfect icing on a cake of just an incredible experience. So it was just a lot of fun. I love I love those games. It, it's always a good time. So I'm gonna adapt that game, which was just tremendous. Yeah, it was a pretty fantastic football game. I, I you know, and I almost uh, going into Monday, I thought. I don't know. I'm so slow on watching this game, and then I kind of I started watching it at the gym, and I was in the car listening on the radio, and I got home like I I gotta watch this thing, yeah. and it uh, it was a pretty good time. Uh, Dylan Milner, uh, I had a choice between two here. I was going to give it to the Green Flash Brewing Company down in San Diego. Uh, I realized I had a leftover Jolly Folly IPA in my fridge that I had this weekend that was mighty tasty. So uh, props to Green Flash. But I'm going to give my daily dap to the Angeles Crest National Forest here in Los Angeles, and there are three inches of snow that they had uh, over the weekend with El Nino. Nice. Uh, was able to take the dogs up there. Uh, they got to trample around in three inches of snow. Um, you know, and so you're in Los Angeles and an hour outside of town, you got to go up in the mountains and see a little bit of snow. And so for Angelinos here, uh, it was pretty nice. Um, and so, uh, in classic Southern Californian, you know, uh, I took the 10 to the 110. They got to the five. <laughs> we got off on the two towards Glendale, but once you get to La Cunada, you take the two up into the mountains and wind around for about 30 minutes. Then there's a turnoff and then that's where we went. What Dylan, are you doing here? what are you doing here? <laughs> I'm going to the Angeles Crest to see some snow. Uh, all right. Uh, you know, because the host of the show always seems to do multiple daily dabs, I have to fill in for James Coe and, uh, and do the multiple daily dabs here. First off, uh, Daily Dap to the internet, because every time you think you've seen everything on the internet, something comes that surprises you. The latest being Breadface Blog. <laughs> oh, We've been having a good laugh yeah. about this in the stronghold for about a week now. Uh, just go on Instagram and look up Breadface Blog. It is a woman who, to this point, remains anonymous. Like She has not given her name, but she's been interviewed multiple times. And as the title suggests, she puts her face on and into bread. And uh, it's usually set to music. They're short videos, about 15 seconds each. They're on Instagram. And uh, she's wearing different outfits, different mood lighting, different uh, you know songs playing in the background, and uh, different types of bread. And uh, it is mesmerizing. It's my I, future wife. I can't, I can't, I can't explain Weird. to you why it is so mesmerizing, but it is. And uh, hashtag bread facing has started to take off on the internet. And it's better than the cat 
bread. Yeah, it's better than cats. Cat breading. Cat breading is stupid. I know. This this Red makes facing. this makes sense. Cat breading is stupid. Um, <laughs> High brow here. But uh, my other daily dap goes out to David Bowie, who yes. uh, just passed away uh, yesterday, and uh, put out an album late last week. In fact, uh, right about his birthday. I think his birthday was uh, last Friday or last Saturday, I believe. And uh, put out an album late last week uh, called Black Star, and uh, kind of a different feel for him. Definitely more kind of a jazz feel a little bit, uh, but. Also very cryptic to listen to. Obviously, he he knew that he was sick. Uh, not a lot of folks knew that he had cancer uh, before he died. And uh, but to listen to it, a lot of a lot of lyrics about death and, and kind of end of life stuff. Uh, so you know, I, I guess not having known that before, it just seemed kind of creepy. But to hear it afterwards, it, it almost was kind of a a goodbye letter, I think, to a lot of his fans and a lot of people out there. But uh, it's a it's. On its face, it's still an amazing album. It uh, certainly has a little more meaning because of his death uh, and uh, just a guy with an amazing career, uh, just all sorts of levels of creativity, and uh, 69 years old. So uh, David Apps to uh, to uh, David Bowie as well. So that uh, – well, oh, James by the way, Coe, before we get out of here, James Coe. So we got the answer to our question about the car accident. James Coe tweets, started 2016 with a bang, literally just got the back of my car smashed into on my way in to work today. Rear-ended. James Coe, it's good to see you tweeting. That means you're doing okay, but uh, sorry to hear about your misfortune. Hopefully we see you in the office in one piece. But his avatar, he's so happy and smiling. I know, he's all smiling in his avi, so obviously he hasn't changed that, so his uh, his outlook hasn't changed. Isn't that always funny about Twitter? Like, the avatar, like, they could be talking about the most serious thing ever, and and they're still smiling. Smiling, happy avatar. That's always fun. Twitter's great. Twitter is great. So, I think that means it's time for us to get out of here for Franchise, for Matt Harmon, for Dylan Milner, and for James Coe. Hopefully your insurance bill isn't too bad. I'm Marcus Grant, the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. We'll see you. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit Hellman's.com.